0: Have you ever been in a place where you did not know what to do? Have you ever been in that place before? For me, it was when I was a little kid. I remember being a little kid and being in a pool and having one of those styrofoam boards. You remember those things? Little styrofoam board, and I was in there, and I I was kind of learning how to swim, but I did not know how to swim. And I had that board, and I was clinging onto it, and I was paddling as hard as I could with my legs because uh, I didn't want to drown, and I was going all over like a motorboat. I was going all over the shallow end, (laughs) but I made myself, made way all the way to the deep end, didn't even realize it because I had got caught up in the moment. Have you ever got caught up in a moment, and then later you realize you were in a place you didn't, Need to be, didn't mean to be, never thought you would be, never thought it would turn out like that, maybe a scary place, a scary moment in your life. Well, for me, I'm in the deep end, and I suddenly looked down, and I realized that this was, that I was in over my head, and and this was just a family pool. This was uh, friends of ours um, that lived in South Florida, and we went to go see them, and they had this, uh, this was at a huge campground. And, and it, it was this massive pool, like an Olympic-sized pool. And, and, or maybe I was just a kid and it seemed like that. But either way, it was a big pool. And I'm clinging on and I'm paddling my feet. And I look down and I realize I'm in the deep end. Any of you ever relate? Can you relate to that? Have you ever, maybe it was a business, you took a job, then you realize, what do I do? What's that song, In Over My Head? Right, maybe, maybe you got into a relationship and it looked this way, but on the other side it was really this, this wasn't that, and that wasn't this. Well, that was me, and I was in over my head. I, I remember I, I began to panic, and, and, and just in a little bit, just looking down and kind of losing focus, that board shot up from underneath me. Now, what do you do when you're in the deep end and you can't swim, and now all of a sudden you have no no anything? What do you do? Well, you scream, and then you sink. That's what you do. And panic is somewhere in the middle, right? And that's exactly what I did. Ah! And I started sinking, man. I was fighting that water. Boy, I was fighting it like crazy. I remember going underneath the water. I remember my eyes looking. I remember sinking down. It was like Titanic. And... And that that, that bottom probably seriously was about 10 foot. I remember sinking down, sinking down, didn't know how to swim, thinking, what am I going to do? I can't get out of this place. Have you ever been there? Maybe for some of you, 2014 was that way. Maybe you found yourself in a place where you didn't know what to do. You didn't know how to get out of it. You didn't know how to get around it. You just didn't know. You found yourself... In a place where you felt like maybe this is how it ends. Maybe this is how it goes down. I talk to a lot of people who emotionally come to those crossroads where they're struggling so bad and they feel like there's no hope. I talk to people all the time who in their marriage they feel like there's no hope. Like it's, this, this is as good as it gets. Like I'm going to have to live like this the rest of my life. I, I talk to people who, who get in financial trouble, sometimes not their fault, sometimes their fault. But they're sinking, and they're losing hope and they're wondering, is this really how it's going to go down? Is this really how this is going to play out? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do? What do you do when you get that raise that you've been wanting? The problem is your anxiety and your stress multiplied exponentially. What do you do when you find yourself in a situation at school where you're being picked on? You find yourself in a situation at school where all of a sudden there's there this just isn't right. You you find yourself you wake up in the middle of associating with people that you know maybe you shouldn't be close friends with. And you kind of, you what, what do you do when you get to a place and you don't know what to do? What, what do you do when you're a college student and you've worked so hard, you've worked so very hard, and and here you are and you, you've changed your major, but you're sticking with it, you're fighting, and you're working a job, you're working two jobs, you're working three jobs, you're going to school. And... You're struggling in a class. You're, you're going to fail it. Or, or maybe you run out of funds. What do you do? What do you do when, when the marriage that was picture perfect cracks? And then you realize that what you thought was reality was only smoke and mirrors. What do you do? What do you do when you find out that somebody that you love is terminally ill? What do you do? What do you do with your own health? When you go and you're expecting a great checkup and all of a sudden there's trouble with the blood work and and they're saying, come back in immediately. We got to do test after test after test after test. And all of a sudden you realize this isn't good. What do you do do when life spins out of control? What do you do? Well, I want to answer that question today. And today we're going we're gonna to launch a series today called Why We Fast, WWF. <laughs> and it's not Macho Man, Randy Savage, it's not that. This is not Hulk Hogan, I could do that impersonation a little bit better. Um, this is WWF Why We Fast. Because how many know that, that sometimes out of the blue, life spins out of control? When all of a sudden you thought you had that job and you were moving up the ladder and you were making good money and you buy the house and you got another car and man, everything's going good, and then all of a sudden it is like you got cut. You got chopped underneath the legs, and all of a sudden, you don't know which end is up. What do you do? Well, I wanna I wanna start this three-part series. And today I wanna I wanna speak to you, I wanna preach to you on what to do. When you don't know what to do. What to do. And I hope some of you take notes. We're going to put some stuff up on the screens. I hope you take notes because maybe right now life is sweet. Life is precious. Life is sweet like the earth beneath my feet. Though I'm passing through. What was that song? I know I belong to you. Life is precious. Life is sweet. And then all of a sudden everything changes everything changed. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, for me, I want to tell you. I want we're going to go to second chronicles in just a minute, but I want to tell you for me how this played out. For me, when we were in Tampa, I I felt um, I felt God letting me leading me, should I say, leading me to fast and and I began to fast. And honestly, I thought it was going to be a, just like a one-day fast, you know, maybe two or three-day fast. And I'd fasted before and this wasn't something new. It was just I was feeling drawn to fasting. And and I like to eat. Any of y'all like to eat? I love to eat. I got on the scale last night and realized how much I like to eat. It was very humbling. Very humbling. I was like, holy cow, wow. Um, I know some of y'all are looking at me and thinking, what are you talking about? I'm sucking in my gut big time right now. Just, just bear with me. Um, no, seriously, I... I I was like, Lord, I'm going to do it. Like I like food as much as the next guy, God, but I'm going to fast. And I began fasting, and I picked up a book called Fasting. You ought to write it down. You ought to go buy it. You ought to pick it up, Fasting by Jensen Franklin. And I picked up that book. I began to read it. And what happened was, all of a sudden, I, I began to have a hunger for God more than a hunger for food. And I can't explain it because I, I, I always hunger for food. But all of a sudden, my appetite for God was getting bigger, and my appetite for food was getting less. That makes sense. And so you know, the Bible says something like that. Like, like blessed, blessed, like you're really in a great place when you hunger and thirst for God. You're going to be filled. And that's what began happening in my life. And, and, and this fast ended up turning into uh, a week, ended up turning into more than a week. But it was during this time that God was birthing in me God's dream, God's vision, God's reality of momentum. God saw back then what we see today. And so fasting is a very powerful thing. And as I was fasting and praying, God began to put a new desire in my heart. And God began to breathe on that desire. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And God began to enlarge. God began to grow. God began to develop. God began to fertilize the dream that he had placed in my heart. And it was a different dream than my dream, the dream I thought I had. This was a different dream. This was a dream to be a church planter. And I really didn't want to be a church planter. i was like, Lord, I'll go to Africa. I don't want to be a church planter, right? Like, I don't want to do that. I, like, my dad was a church planter. That is hard. And you fast forward through the story, and I found myself on a Sunday morning after I had talked to some, some men at our church, what I felt God putting in my heart to do, I found myself realizing that the job, the ministry, the privilege, the dream that I'd been a part of for five years was coming to a, a close, that God was calling me to start a church. And, and you know, with God, you don't try to do something, with God... You do it. Because with God, all things are possible. Are you with me? And so I surrendered. That is the key to the Christian life. Would you write that down? Surrender. It's not what we can do for God. God can do more in a second through us than we can try to do for God in a lifetime. So when I'm looking for God's will and I want to experience God's will in my life, I look to see where is God at work. And then I join them in the process. Or I could say it this way. I look for the waves and I grab my board. God makes the waves. We surf them. Yeah. We grab our paddle boards and we look for the waves that God makes. And then we, we look where I, where is God at work. Oh, there's a one That's awesome right there. And we join him in the process. And, and so here was my family. We we're going to do this thing. And I'll never forget on a Sunday morning, and it takes me back every time. Knowing that I had two weeks left on staff at the church I loved, the people I loved, they were my family. This wasn't just my church. This was my family. These were my family. These were my peeps. These were my friends. These were my co labors my teammates. And remember sitting on the front row at Life Point Church and knowing that God was calling me to start a church. God was calling me out of the boat. God was calling me to trust him. God was calling me out of security, out of the lazy boy. Not that I've been lazy there. God was calling me to the unknown. How many of the unknown makes you a little fearful, a little afraid? How many people are not honest in this room? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How many people know seriously, like, you've got to thrive on that. Like, your personality, you thrive on, man, the unknown or whatever, anyone like that? I'm not seeing any hands. Okay, okay, I'm seeing one, two in the back, all right? I hope you're married. They'll make a great couple. Um, I'm not even sure who raised their hands, but I just... These lights, they're so bright. Um, but but here's, here's, here's the deal. God was calling me out, and I remember singing this song. God, that you never once, never once... Never once did we ever walk alone. And and I remember raising my hands and I remember tears coming down my cheeks. And I remember just saying, God, God, what I feel right now, like the weight of what I feel, God, the weight of this burden, this vision, because burden always precedes vision. God will give you a burden before God clarifies the vision. Nehemiah, he was burdened. Then God gives a vision. What always precedes how. God will always give you the what before God gives you the how. This is what you're going to do, Moses. Oh, by the way, Moses, I'm, I'm going to go rescue the children out of Israel. Moses said, you're awesome, God. You're great. He's like, okay, now, Moses, let's make it personal. You're fixing to do it. I need you. I'm calling you. I want you. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you to step up. I need you. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do? When you feel like maybe I'm in the wrong line of work. Like this really isn't working. I went to school for this. I've been this for many years. This has been security. What do you do when God calls you to do something different? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when your prayer isn't getting answered? What do you do when you're like, I'm at the end of my rope. I've been praying. I've been believing. I, but I'm not receiving, Tim. Tim. It's not happening. What do you do? Well, you do what we read in the Word today, and it's found in 2 Chronicles. We're going to go there. And it's the very prayer that I prayed that Sunday morning, sitting on the front row. I was literally depending on God, because I didn't have the first clue. I remember the fear of, of all of a sudden, the, security, the job security that we had had, I remember all of a sudden God calling us out, and I was going to go from my wife and I working to neither one of us working to trying to sell our house and then move here. I remember the weight of that. I remember the, my three kids, and how am I going to feed them, and what about insurance, and what do I do, God? I remember all that. I remember stepping out of that boat and being afraid, but I remember that Sunday morning looking up to God and saying a prayer that I meant from my heart and God reminded me of this, and that's why I want to speak to you today on this subject, what to do when you don't know what to do. Would you say this with me? But when I am afraid, afraid, but when I am afraid, I I will put my trust in you. you. But when I am afraid, I I will put my trust in you. Say it one more time. But when I am afraid... I will put my trust in you. That's Psalm 56.3. That's your memory verse this week. I want you to memorize that, that word. Scripture tells us that when we memorize God's word, it keeps us from sin. And sin always weakens. Sin always erodes. Sin always deceives. So we're going to memorize God's word. And this is your verse for this week. But when I am afraid, say it one more time, but when I am afraid, afraid, I will put my trust in you. you. Mm, So good. I want to take you to a story. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 20. 2 Chronicles 20. I want to look at some verses here. We're going to pull up a couple verses. This is one of my favorite stories. And I wanted to come back here, and in studying for this series, we're just gonna hang out here for three weeks in this story. So it's gonna be um, a trilogy. Alright, so you don't want to miss next week, and you don't want to miss the, the week after that. So let's just let's go to scene one, can we? After this, the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. What a name. Messengers came and they told Jehoshaphat a vast, a big, incredibly huge army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They're coming. Jehoshaphat was terrified. Someone say the word terrified. Terrified. He was terrified. Have you ever been terrified? I've been terrified before been terrified before. I've been there. I, I think that's a great word, terrified, to describe where some people are today. I mean, all we have to do is turn on the news, right? Like at some level, and God doesn't want us to live afraid, but at some level, is it not hard not to live terrified? There's some crazy people up in this world. It's crazy. I mean, you can't, You you always got to be alert. The the biblical word there is vigilant. You always have to have your eyes open. You always have to be. It's like your police officer. You're never off. Dude, you are always on. You're always on. This is a crazy world. People doing crazy, stupid things. Well, here's a guy that loved God. And here's a guy who all of a sudden is given the news that his kingdom is about ready to be under attack. And they're bringing a vast army. This is not. This isn't, uh, you know, Team C. This is. This is Team A, and there are a lot of them. And he is absolutely terrified. I wonder if you and I were sitting at Starbucks, if you would tell me, Tim, in this area of my life, I'm terrified. I wonder what you would say. Because the truth is, so many of us. We wrestle with fear, don't we? And, and sometimes we wrestle with fear, and that's what keeps us here, is our fear. When God didn't create us for here, God created us for there. But it's our fear that keeps us here. But God says, you're not supposed to be here. I want you there. You see, WWF could also be wrestling with fear. Terrified, what do you do? What do you do when you don 't know what to do well jehoshaphat he 's going to lay out the plan for us. He was terrified by this news, and he begged the Lord for guidance. Have you ever begged somebody? I begged my wife to marry me. I lied. I told her i 'd be a millionaire one day. I told her i wouldn 't lose my hair. I told her that no, was just I remember getting on my knee and looking up. I think terrified is probably a good word there, but, or, or expected, or I don't know. But I remember looking up at those eyes. I remember, I remember the, the heartless pumping, the adrenaline. I remember looking up at the most beautiful woman I've ever seen and asking her to do life together forever. I remember asking her that. I remember the look in her eyes, smile on her face. And I remember her asking me, is that real? Hey, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Pawn shops are amazing, no, I was just teasing. I'm teasing. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. It's a joke. It's a bad joke. What has you terrified? Was it the relationship that you need to get out of, but you're too scared because you don't believe you could do any better? Is it? Is it your behavior? You're spinning out of control, and the 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 problem, the problem, is that you're trying to numb the pain, and that's what's leading you on this downward spiral. You just try. You just want to. Numb, you don't even care. Just numb me. What do you do when you're afraid? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do? Jehoshaphat, watch this. He begged the Lord for guidance. He begged. He pleaded. He begged. He didn't just say, God, help us. He begged God. It was real, it was personal. He begged the Lord for guidance. Now, watch this. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. This is called a corporate fast. Every year we do this in January. We set aside 21 days and we fast together as a church. And we fast because some things only, write this down. If you get nothing else, get this. Some things only come by prayer and fasting. Some things. In other words, God has all these blessings in heaven for you as a Jesus follower. And there's only some of them that you're going to receive when you get serious with God. When you pray and when you fast, Jesus fasted. Jesus was God. Jesus, Jesus could do anything he wanted to do. So why did he fast and pray? Some things only come by prayer and fasting. Write this down. Biblical fasting. Would you write this down? Biblical fasting is refraining from food. Biblical fasting. Like I think it's probably healthy to fast from Facebook, social media. I think that's probably a healthy thing to do. I think it's probably a healthy thing to, to, to say, I'm going to fast from TV, you know, for a certain time. I'm just going to, you'll maybe gain a lot of time back, uh, better focus, get more things accomplished. But biblical fasting is abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. Franklin, Franklin Jensen said that. It's fasting, it's refraining from food for spiritual purpose purpose. And it's for everyone. It's not just for pastors and missionaries. It's for everyone. Fasting is a continual prayer. That's what fasting is. Fasting is a continual prayer before God. And it's never convenient, but it's never regretted. I'm telling you, whenever you say, okay, God, I'm going to fast, what happens is you all of a sudden get invited to go out for the biggest stake of your life on someone else. (laughs) You think I'm joking. You watch this see. <laughs> Satan know, knew how to tempt Jesus. Yeah. He tempted him with food. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and Satan pulled out this hot bread. I, I can't help but think there probably was some butter and garlic over there, too. <laughs> it might be in the Greek. I'm not sure. But he was tempting him with food. Food is what, the wrong decision with food is what kind of got us, Eating out of the Garden of Eden, right? Food is a very powerful thing. And when you surrender food at some level to God, what happens is some things come by prayer and fasting. Fasting, one of the benefits of fasting is it gives you humility. This is what we see in this text. This was a national fast. And I ask you the question, what do we do when times get hard? When we get stressed, what do we do? Do you turn to food? You're a compulsive eater. Do you, what do you turn to? What do you use? What do you leverage when things get hard? Do you abuse alcohol? You say, man, if I just get a little weed, man, everything calm down. You know, if I just sm- smoke another 14 pack of cigarettes, you know, everything be all right. What do you turn to? Jehoshaphat turned to God. And I wish I could tell you I always turn to God. I don't. I always have it. I'm not perfect. That's why we say Momentum, no perfect people allowed. Because I'm not perfect. I wish I could tell you I've always got 100, but only Jesus got 100. And so you may be here today, and I just want to tell you, if you're imperfect, you are right at home. Because we're all imperfect. And whether you're a believer or not, listen, you don't have to be like us to be loved by us. I want nothing more than for you to know the joy of knowing the creator of the universe. I want nothing more than for you to know the one and only true God. I want nothing more than that for you. But if you're on this side of that equation and you're not there yet, you know, I believe with all my heart. I believe with all my heart that there's all kinds of benefits From fasting, personal, health, incredible benefits. For these guys, they didn't have another option. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You you get a hold of God. Jeremiah 33, right? Call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great mighty things you don't even know. Call to me. You will never get a busy tone with God. You will never hear his phone bill hadn't been paid. You will never get a, is disconnected, try back later. It's busy. You'll never get that with God. God says call, and I'm going to pick up. The problem is sometimes the noise around us is so loud, we think it's a bad connection. It's not a bad connection. We just can't hear him because there's so much noise around us. They call out to God. Notice the prayer. Notice the prayer real quick. He says this. To the, he, he begs the Lord for guidance and he orders everyone to begin fasting. So the people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem. They moved; There's movement. And they came to seek the Lord's help. America is not going in a great direction. I wonder what would it have to take for us to say, God, we love America. God, we care about America. God, this is not going in a great direction. God, we are begging you God, we are pleading you for a spiritual awakening when moms and dads are killing children when there's violence all over this place when we're raising children to care more about sports than to care about the God who made them and loves them what do we do We turn to God. And he says, man, everyone turn to God. So they turn. And Jehoshaphat stands before the community of Judah. Verse 5. And Jerusalem in the front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed. I want you to get this prayer. Ready? Oh, Lord. Count how many times he talks to God. Ready? Oh, Lord. There's a name for God. God of our ancestors. You alone are the God who is in heaven. Truth. There's truth. You alone. That's a great prayer. By the way, Stephen Furtick wrote a book called Sun Stand Still. And in that book, he talks about building a case before God. This is a great illustration of needing God to do something, to move on your behalf. But you don't focus on your circumstance. You focus on the creator. Yeah. He's going to build a case before God. He's going to remind God, not because he thinks God has forgotten, but he wants to tell God, I have not forgotten what you have done. O oh Lord, God, our ancestors, you alone are the God who's in heaven. You are ruler over all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out? Here he is building a case. Did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here. And built this temple. Why? To honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, trouble, trial, problem, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand. I think we sang a song today about that. We can come to stand in your presence before this temple. Where your name is honored. You know why I love coming to Momentum Church? You know why this morning when I came in and there were volunteers all over this area setting up and getting ready. And I walk in and I hear the band up here. And they were, they were rehearsing, but they were doing more than rehearsing. They were worshiping. They were honoring the name of God. That's why I got swept off my feet. It just hit me. as Boom. God, thank you. Like I got to stop everything. Like, I don't want to just be going through motions like you are here and you are the true God and you are still mighty and you are still strong and your arm is still powerful. Your arms are still the everlasting arms. Your hand has not lost any of its power or might. You still have your great grip and I am in your grip. You are still in control. What do you do when life spins out of control? You realize that you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because he is in control. That's right. You might not be in control. And most of the time we're not in control, are we? Yeah. But he is. So you take your eyesight from here and you tilt it to there. That's right. You redirect your focus. Yeah. And he redirects the focus and he says this. He says, we can cry out to you to save us. When they built the temple, this is what they were saying. One day, one day our children, one day our grandchildren, one day our great-grandchildren, they will find themselves not knowing what to do. But we are building this place so that in this place, there is a place that was built to honor the name of the Lord our God, because there ain't nobody like Him. And one day our children, and one day our grandchildren, and one day our great-grandchildren will be able to come to this place and call to God for help. I love coming to Momentum Church more than anything else. Because this place is set up every week to honor the name of the Lord our God. And there's something special about this place. It's more than a middle school. This is a place where lives get transformed every week. We see RTLs, radically transformed lives. We see people pass from death to life. We see marriages that were hanging by a thread, and God rescues them. We see people who were totally consumed with drugs, totally consumed with alcohol, and ruining their life, and God sets them free. Every week, this is a gas station. People who are running on fumes of hope, they pull into the parking lot, they come in, they are greeted with logos, your logos, your smile. Yeah. They're greeted with smiles. They cannot believe how friendly this place is. And the roof doesn't actually fall in, doesn't cave in. And the music actually sounds amazing. And they can actually understand what the Bible is saying. And they leave with something called joy. Yeah, that's right. This is a place. And he says, that's why. that's why... We're building this. And, and this is why this temple exists. And, and then he goes on and he says this. Now, now, Lord, he says this. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and they did not destroy them. In other words, we've got a problem, God. It's not our fault. What do you do? Because you wouldn't let them... And now we have this problem, God. It doesn't make sense. What do you do when things don't add up? What do you do when one plus one isn't equaling equaling two? God, you called us to do this. You called us to move here, God. And Lord, we are struggling right now. We can't even keep our head above water. We're doing good to doggy paddle, God. God, God, you led me to this job. Now see how they've rewarded us. Look, for they have come to throw us out of your land. God, this is your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do. Period. No comma. but, that's one of the great but statements in the Bible, but, it's conjunction, it means there's more to the story, but our eyes are on you, for you alone can rescue, and you alone can save, that was the prayer I prayed that Sunday morning. I had gone to Busch Gardens one last time with our family. We had annual passes and I went and it, it had rained. They stopped the roller coasters and it was sprinkling and they stopped and they reopened it and no one was on this ride. Is that Shikra? Is that it? Is that the big bad one, Shikra? So I got in the front row and I rode this thing. I've done it before many times but all of a sudden I was thinking about how my life was feeling like a roller coaster. (laughs) And I was thinking about what am I going to do, and I was living by myself in that moment. We went with our family. I was like, Steph, I want to go ride one ride. I went by myself, and I rode this thing, and I actually bought the picture. You know how they like to sell you the pictures? And I bought the picture because the picture on my face actually captivated the picture that was in my heart. How many would like to see that picture real quick? I would too, but I couldn't find it. But it was something like something like that, and I bought that picture. And as I was walking to meet up with my family, I said, God, this is how I feel right now. I feel like I don't know what to do. And that Sunday morning in Tampa, Florida, on the front row with awesome music and awesome worship, most importantly, and what it's all for and to an awesome God. I humbly said the prayer that I knew to pray when I didn't know what to do. And that was, God, I I have no clue. I don't know how to feed my family when I go from two jobs to zero income. It wasn't like we were part of a denomination that was going to support us for the first two years. We didn't have that. And I said, God, I I really don't know what to do. And I'm scared, terrified. For two weeks, I didn't surrender. Like I, I told God yes, I just didn't tell the people yes. <laughs> the people didn't know. But when I told the people it was out, the cat was out of the bag. I remember sitting there, and for some people, they just come to church that day. But for me, I would come to cry and to beg God because I didn't know what to do, I was desperate. Have you ever been desperate for God? Have you ever come to that point in your life where if God doesn't show up, you're screwed? You ever been there? Man, Joseph was there. He was. He was there. I think. Three things from this text will help us. And I want you to write these down real quick. Put them in your phone because you're going to need this. If you have a pen, write it down. If you have a smartphone, you got a tablet, pull it out, write this down. Here's three principles that will empower you this year as we enter 2015. We're believing God for greater things. But maybe, maybe you're still hungover. Maybe you're still trying to Get 2014 off you. It's like you wash the dog, and the dog shakes, and you think you're done, and you kind of got away, and then all of a sudden he surprises you. She surprises you. you got one more shake left, and then you get wet. No better smell than wet dog, right? Maybe for some of you, there needs to be a holy shake today. I'm not talking about weird. I'm talking about you begging God for your marriage, for your children, for finances, for joy. Man, you've been in a dry and barren land. Like your heart is dehydrated. And anger (laughs) evicted love a long time ago. You've been in payback mode so long, you don't even know what it feels like to have compassion. Because all you want is revenge. Are we tracking? What do you do? Well, I think we learned three things. Number one, we replace. We replace fear with fasting. That's what he did. He was terrified, so he begged the Lord, and he pronounced the fast. Number two, focus on God's character. Not your circumstances. If David would have just been thinking about Goliath as he would have been approaching him, we might have heard his thoughts some say something like this. Oh crap, what am I going to do? He's so big. He's so huge. Oh my God. Look at that spirit. Look. Oh my God. What am I going to do? Oh look at that. Oh look at the shield. Oh my goodness. Look at the sword. I'm dead. Meet him. But he didn't look at his circumstances. Everybody else in the Israelite army did. But he had a different perspective That's why there was a different outcome. Because he didn't focus on his circumstances almost 10 feet. He focused on the character of his creator. Number three, declare your dependence. Declare your dependence. He said, God, we don't know. We don't even have a clue. Don't we kind of spend half our life like pretending we know everything, we got it all, we got it all figured out, and then we exit our teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> and we realize, mom and daddy knew something. Declare your dependence. So three words, ready? Replace. Everyone say replace. 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 Focus declare replace focus declare say it with me replace focus declare one more time replace focus declare we replace our fear with fasting we focus not on our circumstances but on the character of God and then then we're free To humbly, honestly, vulnerably declare our dependence. A great prayer I heard Andy Stanley say years ago is, Lord, I surrender to your will. I'm dependent on your provision. What if you prayed that prayer every morning before you did anything else for 2015? Well, if you prayed that prayer. Lord, I today, I surrender to your will. dependent on your provision. You know, the takeaway today is I'll turn to God. There, there's some of you here today, and, and you have finally hit rock bottom. And that's good news. You think it's horrible news. But I want to tell you, that's the best news ever. Because now, you can fully focus on him and you can watch the God who is still our deliverer, pick you up and set you on a rock, not sinking sand. That's good news. I hope and I pray that today for many of you, you'll turn to God. You focus. You replace, you focus, you declare, you replace, you focus, you declare, you replace. We worry, don't we? Don't we have so many worries on us? We worry, we worry about this, we worry about that. And when we worry, we're not even free to live. I watched a sweet, sweet baby girl down here. And I leaned to Jimmy and I said, Jimmy, I can hear Jesus say, as we were singing and worshiping, she was down here dancing, carefree, worryless. Enjoying the moment. And you know, as an adult, we get out of that. We care too much what other people think. Yeah, right. but she didn't care what any of you thought. <laughs> she didn't care what I thought. didn't care what the band thought. She was dancing to God. That's right. And I told Jimmy, I said, I could hear Jesus say, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, that's right. mm. can, we, can we go there with heads bowed and eyes closed? I just want to give you an opportunity today to say I need to turn to God. I'm talking to Jesus' followers today. Say, I've got to refocus. My sight has been out. Gotta to refocus today, Tim. I need, to, I, need to, I need to return to God. Maybe, maybe some of you say, Tim, I'm battling fear. Battling fear. Fear is holding me back. Fear is keeping me here instead of allowing me to go there. Maybe you say, Tim, I'm, I'm, I've hit rock bottom. I've, I've, I just I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out. Of, I don't know what to do. But but you know what, Tim? I know who knows what to do. And that's all you got to do. You don't have to know what to do. You just got to know who knows what to do. Maybe you say, Tim, there's some things in my life today I'm just like, turning to God and I'm in my heart I'm lifting my hand to God and I'm saying God I don't even know what to do but my eyes are on you and by God's help and God's grace I'm going to keep them there that's the secret that's the great escape how many say Tim would you pray for me today like this message is like nail me like this is right where I'm at would you raise your hand all over this place just hold them up, hold them up, hold them up. There are tons. And when I say tons, I mean tons of hands raised. And you hold it up, hold it up. We're not counting hands. But I want you to hold it up to God. And I want you to have a moment with God right now. Would you just say that easy prayer? Memorable prayer. God, I don't know what to do. But. Insert the comma. My eyes are on you. I don't even know. And I'm terrified. But my eyes are on you. Jesus, you've seen these hands. And God, you know these hearts. And I ask you, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. For meeting us right where we're at. Today, Thank you, Holy Spirit, that there's not one problem you cannot fix. There's not one heartache, one broken heart you cannot mend. Thank you that there's not one bank account that's running low that you cannot change. Thank you, God, that there's not one relationship that you cannot restore Thank you that there's not one mind that you cannot heal. Thank you, God. Thank you that there's not one person who's lived in addiction for years. There's not one addict, God, that you cannot deliver and heal. Thank you, Lord. We turn to you today. And we pray, and we tell you there are areas in our lives where we don't know what to do. But God, our eyes are on you. Amen. I want to tell you guys this today. You put your hands down, and for us as a church, I want to tell you as we enter this fast. I want to give you something for all of us to fast for this year. See, we're going to start a fast. You say, Tim, I don't know a lot about fasting. In today's message, you talked about these guys fasting but I really don't got an army trying to come kill me um, but, uh, but I, I do relate with some things in my life like I'm up against a wall I don't know what's going to happen I'm scared, I'm terrified I need some help then, then we have a resource for you and we want you to go to momentumchurch.org slash there's 21 days 21 days you can go there and that's going to tell you more detail about fasting different types of fast fasting doesn't mean you eat no food You're asking me to go 21 days without eating. That's not what we're asking. We're asking for 21 days for you to say, God, for the next three weeks, God, I'm going to sacrifice something. Maybe for you, it's coffee. Maybe for you, it's caffeine. Maybe for you, it's sugar. Maybe for you, it's, you know, and whatever God leads you to. There's all kinds of different fasts. You look great resource. and, And I'm really excited about this, Matt. There's more than that. There's even a devotional every day. All right? So. Did you write it down? MomentumChurch.org. That's our website, right? Slash 21 days. Every day. Every day. There's a devotional. Every day there's some powerful truth. And I, I want to tell you something. Some things only come by prayer and fasting. God birthed this church out of fasting. God has grown this church out of fasting. God has blessed this church out of fasting. Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, we were able to give Lane, who was here, we were able to give him a check. Because he had blessed us with thinking $96,400 out of his bank account. He didn't go to our church. And he bought us all the stuff that we needed. Not all the stuff, I'm sorry. Sound stuff and everything for the adult portion for Navar. We were able to give him a check and pay the whole thing off. Woo! Yes! So... Anyone get a Christmas card? Anyone get a Christmas card in the mail? When it says zero debt, it means zero debt. Now, I fasted for that in July. I had my little black book up there. In July, I did a 21-day fast every July. First 21 days. That's the second part of my year. I'm believing God for greater things. In July, we didn't have the campus pastor, didn't have the place, didn't have the funds. And by August and September, we had all three. And we started those payments in September, and we were given a year interest-free to pay it back. We paid it off Christmas Eve, $100,000. That's what God can do. I want to take it a step further. You think, man, this church is rich. I've got a lot of money. The Lord sent someone out of state that wrote two fifty thousand dollars checks. Somebody out of state who obeyed God, were generous and gave. God can do anything. Right. Do you hear what I said? Right. God can do it, and that happened. That happened. I'm not saying that. The only reason why that happens is because of my fast. I'm taking the ground. I'm not saying that. But I want to tell you something. Some things only come by prayer and fasting. Right. Pastor Alex is here today because of prayer and fasting. Yeah. We're sitting in chairs today. Some of y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know we used to have to sit in the middle school tables. With the little round saucers. That's how we used to come to church. Some of y'all didn't even know that. They said, oh no, you're, you're not doing anything with that. We, no, you can't, t- you can't move those tables. You can't even move it. So what did we do? We proclaimed a fast. And we begged the Lord. And two weeks later, we had chairs. Some things only come by prayer and fast. Now, we'll take you here. We're going to land the plane. Listen, this is where we need... As a church, corporately, to pray and fast. Two weeks ago, somewhere around there, um, Frankie met with the principal here. Great guy. Love him. Great staff. Phenomenal. They're just the best. They are the greatest host in the world. They told us um, they told us that coming June, we would be out of here. We'd need to find another place for five or six weeks. Because they're going to kind of do some uh, construction and some stuff. And they kind of needed us you know, out of the way, but after five weeks, we'd be back, no problem, and that's summertime, and we, you know, well, okay, we don't know what we're going to do, but we can handle that, and two weeks ago, Frankie met with Principal Brandon, and he said, man, I just found this out, I wanted to honor you guys and let you know this right away, but it's a a year, it's a year, so come June 1st, come June 1st, we're not going to be in the middle school, you say, Tim, where are we going to be? I don't know. (laughs) But I know who does know. I know who does know. Am I worried? No. Am I scared? No. Why? Because he's got it. But in this prayer and fasting time, I would like that to be one of the things, like one of the big ticket items that we lean in hard and pray about. And say, Lord. God, we don't know what to do, but God, our eyes are on you, and you know, God, you you not only own the cattle on a thousand hills, you own the hills, and the hilton, and the cattle. You own it all. It's all you, and our hope and our trust is in God. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want to tell you something. He loves you, and he died on the cross for you. He literally paid for your sin on that cross. He was perfect, innocent, spotless lamb of God. He died on that cross because sin must be punished, and so the innocent became guilty, so the guilty could become innocent. No wonder they call him the Savior. Scripture tells us that if we would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, that is, that we believe that he is God, that means I'm not. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, we would will be saved, not hopefully, not maybe, not we'll get to heaven, and then, okay, well, you bad and the good, and okay, you're in by the hair of your chinny chin, no, 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 he said that you can know that you have eternal life, because it's in his son, so it's real simple today, if you don't know Jesus, man, reach out to him, call on him today, and say, Jesus, I need you to do for me what I can't do for myself. As we close, I'd love to lead you in that prayer. Would you close your eyes one more time real quick? I appreciate your cooperation today. There's some people here. If you don't know God, you need Him. And you don't need Him so your life will be perfect because it still won't be perfect. You don't need Him so you just get fire insurance so you don't go to hell, which is a real place. So you can spend eternity in heaven. You need Jesus because He is life. And you are dead without Him. You are dead in your sins. And you need Him to be your Savior, not your judge. So would you today, would you turn to God today? And would you call on the name of the Lord and be saved? You can tell God a prayer as simple as this. Momentum Church, we're going to pray it together to encourage those who will pray it for the first time. Dear Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. And I need you to do for me what I can't do for myself. And that is forgive my sins. I confess them. I need forgiveness. I fully rely on you. What Jesus did on the cross to make me right with God. Thank you for loving me. For dying for me. For being raised back to life for me. I put all my hope, trust in you. in you alone. In Jesus name I pray. Amen.